All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to episode 236 of the DFO Rundown, brought to you by Botano. 19 plus, please play responsibly. The game starts now with Botano, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit uh, about uh, next season and tied in with Botano coming up a little bit later on. I'm Jason Greger. We welcome in uh, Frank Saravalli as a, you know what, Frank, it, it's the off season, but this week there is lots to discuss on the rundown and let's start. It is very rare that a Norris trophy winning defenseman gets traded, but uh, Eric Carlson, it's not a shock. This has been known for a while that he wanted to get traded. The Pittsburgh Penguins were uh, interested and uh, they finally got themselves Eric Carlson on the back end. Uh, you know, they got rid of a lot of salary in doing so And Jeff Petrie and Granlin and Casey DeSmith, uh, they needed Montreal to, to help out. What, what do you make of this three-way deal? Fascinating deal. It kind of went down, not to pat myself on the back, but almost exactly as I said it would maybe a month ago, which was the Pittsburgh Penguins, essentially the Carolina Hurricanes were another team. There were a bunch of teams that had been in the mix, but it had said to the Sharks, really, if you're looking for us to take Carlson off your hands, we'll do it, but we're not going to give you much. And... When you consider, you know, cap hit, you can't put it aside because it's such a big part of the deal. Yeah. But the fact that the Sharks retained 13%, took on a bunch of bad contracts or contracts that other teams were looking to move and only got one first round pick in return, there really isn't a whole lot there to like for the San Jose Sharks. And we can talk about the Sharks in a second. I certainly understand it from Pittsburgh's perspective. You know, they are trying to maximize the window that they do have. I think in the long run, they've probably set themselves back a bit in terms of trading first, second round picks. But they're trying to win within the window that they have and the term and structure that they have. And I think that's exactly what Kyle Dubas promised to Fenway sports group when he stepped in. So the, the penguins are fascinating. Like I'll be real curious to see how it works with two right shot defensemen of that caliber on one blue line in Carlson and Latang. Uh, be really curious to see is Carlson running PP one. Like, how's this going to work? Latang's been doing that forever in Pittsburgh. Um, and it's a fascinating bet. They've got four players on their roster that are 35 or over. They have eight guys on their roster that are north of 30. And 
the over 35 crowd doesn't actually include Carlson, who's 33 and knocking on the door of that. So it's Crosby, 35, Malkin, 37, Jeff Carter, 38, and Chris Letang, 36. Then you've got Carlson, 33, Lars Eller, 34. I mean, this is one of the older rosters we've ever seen, Jay, at least in the salary cap era. And they've just added a hundred point defenseman to their team. But to kind of really sum up my thoughts on how I feel about this trade, I think the team that if I were ranking the three teams in order of who won from this perspective right now, it's the Montreal Canadiens. Interesting. See, I, I actually, I understand why Pittsburgh, and I saw a lot of, uh, you know, people reacting to this trade. Oh, you know, the Penguins are done. The, the Penguins were kind of stuck in a situation that Sidney Crosby's really good still, right? Chris Letang had a great year. If Jenny Malkin had a really good year, their depth guys were the problem in Pittsburgh. And so, you know, they just further eroded that depth. Well, but did they, because Jeff Petrie didn't have a good season in Pittsburgh, right? Casey DeSmith. I think like he's easily replaceable. Granlin was like, why the, why Ron Hextall and them needed to make that trade is mind blowing to me. I never understood it at the time. I thought it was a terrible trade to, to take him on at 5 million bucks. Never mind just the player, but then $5 million price tag, I thought was delusional at best. So, I look at them now, like getting rid of Granlin, who did nothing for them. Petrie, who Carlson's better than Petrie. And so you get rid of the Smith, you know, now they gave up some picks for sure. So that's obviously a concern, but Pittsburgh, I, I think they felt like, well, we're going to be knocking on the door to be a, a playoff team the next few years with Crosby. And then we're not just going to erode. And, and, you know, I didn't think they're not where Chicago has been the last four years with Kane and Taves and those guys. They're, they're no. not that bad. So I can see why they said, Hey, we got to take one final swing here. We're going to get Eric Carlson. He's 33. He's elite. And I know everybody says, well, Burns and Carlson didn't work. That's true. But San Jose wasn't very good either when they were together. Like Pronger and Niedemeyer, they had no issue with it. Like we can go de- There's been lots of other teams that have had two elite, the same shot defensemen and had lots of success. So, and they I, did uh, their homework. Like they yeah. brought Chris Letang into this process, as far as I know. Not only did they get the green light from him, he was apparently excited. And I, I'm assuming at some point he also talked to Eric Carlson as part of this process to sort of um, talk through it all. So they're well aware. I think here's my thing. like You take a Penguins team that didn't have any cap space to begin with, and I understand what a lot of people have said about oh, look at all of the guys that Kyle Dubas has unloaded. And in fact, I think they've changed out eight players already from their last game of the regular season. And they offloaded the Petrie contract, which wasn't great. And of course, the Granlin deal and Jan Ruda, who didn't really seem to fit there. But the reason I think they finish in second place in terms of how I grade out the trade right now is because... They still have a 33-year-old Eric Carlson who is elite, but at a $10 million cap hit for the next four seasons. And I just think there's a lot of risk that goes into that. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I I think the salary cap going up significantly will make that $10 million cap hit not as uh, egregious for, for them. Um, you know, they're it's the highest on the team. Like he immediately still is the highest paid player on the team by a pretty significant margin. Yeah. Um, but he's also like, he had an unreal year. Now I'm not saying he can score hundred points again, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if Eric Carlson's an 85, if he's a top five scoring defenseman in the league, that, that wouldn't surprise me at all. And I, I just think if I look at just on paper and I, I agree cap it, but on paper, they got rid of 11 million, right. In, in our close to and in Granlin Petrie and DeSmith. So, um, I, I think Carlson just as a player is going to give them more than what Granlin and Petrie gave them. Oh, I, I agree with you. I, I'm just saying you took a team that struggled with depth and not they didn't struggle with elite players. Yeah, you've added another significant weapon, but you've still taken away from other parts. And to be fair, Kyle Dubas did add to that team depth-wise. It, yeah. yeah. It, well, just in the summer. Mm-hmm. Like you, you did add Achari and Lars Eller and Riley Smith 
Um, like those guys have now been brought into the mix. Ryan Graves. Um, Ryan Graves. Like that, that's a totally different looking team. I guess here's the other part that I struggle with the Penguins. And and frankly, like we need to have a larger discussion about the Sharks right after this. But does this vault the Pittsburgh? This is a non-playoff team from last year. It's one thing to take a step forward and say, okay, we think they're a playoff team next year, which I think I would nod my head yes and agree with. But does this, Eric, this is the key question. Does this Eric Carlson trade make the Pittsburgh Penguins a Stanley Cup contender again? And what's your answer to that? Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't say they're a contender, but I think they've got the the potential because they've still got all the Stanley Cup experience with Crosby and Malkin and Latang and other guys that you get to the dance with them, anything can happen, right? So I wouldn't put them as a, as a top five team, Frank, but I, I would say they might be a, like a top 12, top maybe 13, 14, and then, then they got a chance. Okay, you, you got to get it like you got to get in to have yep. a chance. So yep. that's, I guess, you could say that about any of the 16 teams. But like, let's take a look at some of the other teams that have sort of been in that wheelhouse previously. The New York Islanders, they had gone to two Eastern Conference finals with that core. With them getting in as the seven seed last year, does anyone take that team seriously as being a contender? Did anyone look at the Winnipeg Jets in the eighth seed this year and say they're a true contender? I'm just saying just because you get in doesn't mean you're a contender. There's a big difference in tier, and I'm just not ready to put the, the Pittsburgh Penguins with Eric Carlson in that group yet. Yeah, no, that's fair. I... uh I don't mind this trade for them. Uh, you know, Montreal, I can see why you see some upside for, for them potentially. Like they got rid of some guys that they didn't want anyway. So, uh, you know, and, and hey, maybe they're hoping Jeff Petrie can play like he did in Montreal, where I think he's probably had the most success in his career. They're um, actually the going to, they're, I'm pretty sure they're going to move Jeff Petrie now. Yeah. They, well, he wants to be in back in the U.S., does he not? So, yeah. So he requested a trade from the Canadians a year ago and they obliged and sent him to Pittsburgh. And this time around, I think a lot of his issue with playing in Montreal was pandemic related. Okay. Um, but this, you know, just because you fast forward a year doesn't mean he necessarily wants to go through that again. So basically what they can do now is because Pittsburgh already retained 25%, they can retain 50% of that and knock him down to essentially two point whatever million, 2.3 million, basically 2.4. And now all of a sudden Jeff Petrie at 2.4 becomes a really interesting piece. Yes. So, so if you look at it from a flip perspective, they got a really nice flippable asset in Jeff Petrie. Casey to Smith is someone that if he, if he wins the job um, over Caden Primo, he's there. And if not, um, even so, he could also make Jake Allen expendable if they wanted to make a trade on that front, a really reasonable cap hit. And they get a second round pick to dump off Mike Hoffman's deal, which they were dying to do anyway. Yeah. Like, well, at I, what point did the, did the Montreal Canadiens lose any part of this deal? No, that's one negative it, thing you could point out about the Canadiens. Yeah, no, they, they made some some good moves. I'm not sure they're any better or worse, but if they can move Petrie. I will say this, Frank, about Montreal. I saw everybody talking about Caden Primu. Samuel Montombo was pretty good down the stretch, and then he went to the Worlds. Like, I, I, I wouldn't be stunned if he comes into camp and surprises some people, right? And they have a glut of goaltenders. I think I think there's no doubt in my eyes that that Montreal could lose a goalie on waivers this this uh, leading into the start of the season. Well, I think this Casey DeSmith was just extra insurance, and... I just like, this is the way I look at what Jeff Gordon and Kent Hughes have done in Montreal is they have taken a series of small victories and they've stacked one up upon the other and stacked and stacked and stacked. And they're, that's how you win. Yeah. They're I not, think they're, they're, ways not, away. they're not grand slam home runs, no. but when yeah. you, when you stack victory upon victory, 
you put your team in a really strong position. Now the San Jose Sharks, there's like, obviously they're hoping that they can move um, those guys at the deadline this year or next year, right? Like I don't see anybody taking Grandel this year for sure. He's going to have to have a really good year and a half in San Jose. I mean, if he, if he comes back and has a 60 point season, someone, they, they could retain half and you could move him for sure. But if he has 60 points in San Jose, man, I'll, I'll tip his hat to him because I'm curious on where their offense is going to come from. Will you eat cat food? Cat food is one of the most disgusting things ever, man. And I loved watching the guys eat it. But, you know, even though I loathe it that much, Granlin 60 points, yeah, I'll eat cat food. A, a scoop of it for sure because I don't think there's any chance he's scoring 60 points. Okay. I'm going to write that down. Yeah, you can write it down. Could you just um, tell me what exactly the San Jose Sharks are doing? <laughs> Look, I, I get that this Frank had to be dude. done. I yeah. get it. I get it had to be done. Eric Carlson wanted out. They needed the flexibility to get off of that 11 and a half million bucks for the next four years. But they took on some shit contracts mm-hmm. that no one wanted. I have no idea what they're doing. Well, I think they're going to look and say, we're hoping that Mike Hoffman is going to get some, he could get first unit power play time in San Jose and maybe he scores some goals. And, you know, at, at the deadline this year, we move him and maybe get a pick and, something else like that because what they got two firsts and two seconds uh next year that's it so the and they're like they've already missed the playoffs rank four years in a row and i'm really sorry sharks missed fan. the playoffs like yeah lottery territory for yeah four years like they're i i don't see them in improving like eric carlson was their biggest offensive weapon and but now they've he's just gone. made weird trade after weird trade yeah i, yeah, I don't explain know explain to me the anthony duclair deal Another guy, I think that they feel he allows them like it's it's like they're sending mixed messages here, Frank. That are we competing or are we not? Like, yes, that's all I'm asking. Is like, yeah. what is I don't like. I don't know. If you want to move the pieces around the chessboard or whatever it is that you you want to make a bunch of bets about, hey, maybe we can flip this guy. Like, good on you. Like for sure. I just are they rebuilding? Or are they trying to be somewhat competitive at the same time? You I can't don't, do I, it. I, I, I look. I have a good friend of mine who says all the time, "You can't suck and blow at the same time." I just don't know what the sharks are doing, <laughs> and I don't want to be graphic. I'm just saying, like, are are they trying to be twenty second place? Like what? What is the, what's the ceiling here? What, what are you going after? Honestly, when I look at their roster, so Granlin, Hoffman, I like Anthony Declare as a player. I think he's a really good player. A $3 million cap hit. I think he has the most value at the trade deadline amongst their UFAs. There's no question. But like Oscar Lindblom at 2.5 mil last year, that was a terrible signing. And, and uh, you know, it's not looking any better. Like, I don't, I don't know what direction they're going, Frank. Um <laughs> You know, you they, they don't a have flyer a flyer on Philip Zadina. Sure. You sell them yeah. on the opportunity to play. I yeah. get it. But what, what are you trying to mine here? What are I you don't... trying to do? Like, what look is at your the... objective? Their defense core. I, I honestly don't believe they have a top pair defenseman on their team. And, and that's okay. Like you're a rebuilding team. They don't have a top pair defenseman. So some guys are going to have to play above their their talent level at this point and so there's going to be some tough nights the best they have yeah you're right is a number three yeah no question so and but then they're they're, they've been adding guys that they think can help them offensively and i'm like okay so yeah i don't i don't know there's a mixed bag here of maybe they're going to bring in eckland and some other guys and say we just want some veterans around so our young offensive player can at least feel some offensive mojo it's the only thing i can think of mojo I mean, yeah. what? So give me a compelling reason to watch the San Jose Sharks. At least this year, you could say it was Carlson. Yeah. Well, there's not much. And, and I'm very curious. Logan Couture has four years left at eight mil. Um, and I know that he has like a three team no trade list or something. And it's like, I wonder if he expands that in the near future because there's a guy who, since he entered the NHL, Frank, like his first 10 years in the league, man, like the Sharks are one of the best teams. They're competitive all the time. Yeah. And Logan Couture is one of the best playoff performers we've seen in the last decade. Look at his numbers. I think he's got the second most 
points or goals or something in the last 10. Like he was good for a real good stretch there when he's in the postseason. So I got to think at some point he's going to follow in the footsteps of Eric Carlson and say, Hey, I want to be out of here. He hasn't thus far, but I, I got to think it's not far behind. I, I think he's open to it. Yeah. I don't know for sure. Like he like hasn't asked for a trade as far yeah, as I, I wouldn't sp- No, but I think just like Carlson and just like anyone else that's been in the league for a while, Couture is already 34. He's got four years left on his deal at 8 million bucks a year. I think there were some trade rumblings, you know, this summer. Um, I don't think it ever really got serious, but I do think he's a guy that, you know, at some point or another is, is going to say, not ask for a trade, but just say, I, I'd like an opportunity to win. Yeah. And, and, and here's the thing though, Frank. So let's say you trade Logan Couture. You're going to have to retain salary at some point. So he would be the last him... retained salary transaction. FYI, I was going to mention this at yes. some point. Yeah. They only have one left. So well, if you're going to Carlson is chewed up for the next four years. So when there was the talk of a third party team being involved in this Carlson trade, the big thing that teams balked at was the idea of not wanting to touch Carlson's dead cap money because they didn't want that tied up for four years. Yeah, I get it. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's tough for them because let's say at this year's deadline, they, they want to make a trade. They can only retain salary on one guy just to try to make a deal work, right? Like Mike Hoffman, for instance. So, you know, yeah, you but at least Hoffman or whoever. Yeah, he would be off the books. They'd yeah. come off at the end of the year, but. But they can only do one. That's my correct. point, right? That's And then if they do, and then Carlson says, hey, I want to trade next year. Well, then next year they couldn't even retain salary at the deadline. Correct. So, yeah, they're not a, like it's. You know my numbers on like a true rebuilds eight years. The Sharks are four years in, Frank, and I think they're just starting the rebuild, to be honest. But that that's it's kind of what I'm saying. Are they? I know this sounds like a ridiculous thing to ask, but I I don't I don't know that they've really even ripped off the band-aid yet. Well, if if they aren't, I'm I'm sorry for Sharks fans because it's gonna be pain for quite some time there. I just I don't see how the, like the Sharks, I I don't see how they're competitive next year when I look at their blue line. I just don't see how. It feels like the misery is just extending. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I'm curious to see how Carlson plays on a different blue line. Like they gave him carte blanche to do what he wanted. The risk profile, there was none because he was their engine. They don't care if he, if they give up six goals, as long as they score seven. Yeah. But they, you know what? The funny thing is, that's not going to work in Pittsburgh. No, but look at the Sharks' five-on-five numbers with Carlson on the ice. They was like plus seven. With Carlson off the ice, they were like minus 55 or 54. I don't know the exact number off my head, but it was a significant difference. Okay, but all I'm saying is put him on a team with a different risk profile, and the Penguins have been pretty, under Mike Sullivan, pretty lenient getting the good out of Chris Letang and accepting the bad, accepting the, the odd pizza served yeah. up the middle of the ice every now and again. But now you're doubling the risk. At times, I think you will. I, I think, you know, Latang's smart enough. He's won three cups. I think he kind of knows when he has to go. And maybe Car- if, and Chris Latang says, hey, you know what? I'm 36. Maybe I'll be more of a, I can be more of a defensive role, right? So I'm, I'm assuming they're going to play like Graves with Carlson and, you know, Latang with, with Peterson or vice versa. I, I'm assuming that's what it's going to be, kind of, you know, each offensive guy with a, with a defensive-minded defender. Okay. Let's uh, let's talk about our friends at Patano. Uh, the game starts now at patano.ca. And, Jason, they've got some fascinating off-season odds. I'm going to run through a couple of them All with right. you related to some of these trades, okay? So okay. the Penguins now are minus 182 on a yes to make the playoffs. I think – I'm not – I don't want to speak for you, but I, th- I would think I would – we're both on the same page that that seems like the penguins are going to get in. Yeah. Like they missed the playoffs by one point. And really Frank, we've talked about this. They like they lost to Chicago. Yes. <laughs> Remember that one? Like yes. terrible. Oh, so yeah. no, I, I think the penguins as much of a struggle as it was last year for their team. I, I think the penguins, uh, I'm not going to say they're a lock as a playoff team. Cause any serious injury can change anything for lots of teams. But right now, like I would vault the penguins ahead of the Islanders. 
in my eyes. I don't see how they're not. The, like, what have the Islanders done to improve? At least the Penguins have improved by adding Carlson. Okay. San Jose Sharks over or under 66 and a half points? Oh, they had they 60, had 60 last points year. last year. I'm mm-hmm. taking under all day long. Like, lock it in, loaded. I'm taking under on 66 for that, man. Okay. Montreal Canadiens to make the playoffs. Yes is plus 1,500. Would you take a flyer at 15 to 1? God, it's, it's really good odds, Frank. But even if I bet 15 bucks, I'm still losing $15. Like, that, look, look at their division. The Habs and and like even the trade today, we can argue that, you know, say, hey, you know what? They they improved a little bit, but I, I don't see them as a playoff team. No, I, I don't think they I don't think they get within 18 points of a playoff spot. OK, so then that brings us to the next question. Montreal Canadiens over under 70 and a half. They had 68 last year. That's a really good line. Um, so you said not within 18. Yeah, and not 18, like 18 might have been a little extreme because even last year they were, well, last year they were 20, what, 23, 24 points out of a playoff spot. So 18 would be 75. Um, yeah, I still, you know what? I would still say that they're, um, they're going to take over because they could be 73 points and then, you know, playoff team's 91 and they're still missing. So yeah, I, I'd be comfortable with taking the over. And them also still being out by 18. Okay. To finish last, so 32nd overall, Sharks, San Jose, 250 plus 250, Ducks plus 300, Blackhawks plus 500, Flyers plus 700, Blue Jackets plus 900, Canadians plus 900. Finished last, man. That's a hmm, that's a really good question. Um, I don't. I think Chicago's done enough that they're not going to be last. I, I think they, I you know, adding Hall and Bedard and a few of the other pieces. I, I think they're not going to be last. Um, Columbus had a terrible year with injuries. I There's don't see no that. way they can be that bad again. Right. Um, I would pick like I, the Ducks. I don't know, man. Uh, I think I would probably I like lay off of that bet. Yeah, you know, I'd be I'm, tempted to take the Flyers. At that's who I was going to say. The Flyers the might is, be the team I'm tempted to take. The thing is, John Tortorella's teams never. Yeah, they work too hard. Yeah, they even last year. Think about it. They had 75 points. They were seventh last. Yeah, and they were so, 17 points ahead of Anaheim, right? Yeah, it wasn't even really close. Yeah, so that's that, a I big gap. Yeah, like. Anaheim might be the, well, actually, no, San Jose would be the team I would take. San Jose was two points ahead of Anaheim. I'm taking the Sharks all day. I'm not going to overthink this. Um, they'll go back. I don't think they've finished last since their second season when they had 24 points. So, okay. Last one. To reach the playoffs, Arizona Coyotes, yes, plus 900 which is a perfect segue to our discussion yes. about Matt Dumba signing for one year, 3.9 million. Yeah. You know what? Arizona is actually, you know what, Frank, this off season, I think has been one of the better off seasons for Arizona. I, I've, I've I, liked some I of them. I told you going in, I said, heading into the draft week, coyotes are going to be adding, not subtracting. They're within a couple million bucks at the cap. Yeah. So their over under is set at 72 and a half. Yeah. Which is why, like, 72 and a half, that's the over-under. And then to think they'll make the playoffs, that's like 20 extra points. So they're not making the playoffs. But over 72 and a half feels like... I would take I would take that. I will take over juicy. 72 and a half for Arizona. Yeah, which is only... That's only a three-point increase off this past season. Yeah, the, the Flyers had 75 last year. You don't think the Coyotes can get to 75? Uh, my only concern about them is... And I, I, hey, I like Dumba at the at the contract at three point nine. I don't mind that at all. I think he looks and and there's a player that they think maybe we can move at the deadline if he has a good season at three point nine. You know, you retain fifty percent. That's a pretty easy movable contract. But I'm just not sure their defense. I love their goaltender. I think Vegemalco is pretty damn good. And so 
they've improved offensively. I, I like some of the guys they brought in. I, I think Cooley's, you know, he's a rookie, but I think he's going to make an impact for them uh, offensively. So I will take them over 72. Agreed. I'd take them over 75, to be honest. Yeah, I agree. Thanks to our friends at Botano.ca. The game starts now at Botano 19 plus. Please play responsibly. So what I do you make like, of Dumbo? I I was gonna say I kind of like it. I I for his sake, I, I he should have been one of those guys, and they ended up going making a different bet with Oliver Ekman Larson. But he should have gone to a really good team that could support him properly. And not to say that the Coyotes aren't going to be improved, but take that same deal or similar deal the Florida Panthers couldn't have offered as much and go to a team with really good opportunities, some decent structure, and try and find a way to fix your game. I love Dumba. I love his... Yeah. I see what you're saying. It's a fair point. I I think he's got some really valuable qualities. I think the tough part about Dumba's game when I watch him is that he's sort of like a kamikaze pilot. He, if he (laughs) catches you in the middle, yikes, dear God, look out. Like he will take your head off. Yeah. But he could also miss. And he also is turnover prone. And, I think the risk profile, just the wild couldn't handle it. Now, granted, he was a lot better last year after they sat him out for a bit. But this is a change of scenery. I think a big wake-up call. And the fact that he lingered until August 6th in free agency, you know, I think they knew it was going to be tough. But, you know, he's got a lot of work to do to rehab his game. I think Dumba, because, you know, you look at, People, oh, he's the John Klingberg of this year. Well, here's the difference. I think John Klingberg, Frank, a bigger part of his struggle last year was him turning down that extent, that long-term deal, right? And then he had to settle for one year at seven. Like Matt Dumba didn't have a long-term big extension that I've heard of, right? No, I, I hadn't heard. They that. were not. They were not yeah. entertaining bringing him back. Yeah. So he he doesn't have. This is one where he's like, okay, I got to prove myself here without any. Oh man, I missed out on something. So I, I think his mindset could be in a better place than Klingberg was. Like Klingberg for the first half of the year, Frank, I think at times is probably like, what did I do? Whereas Dumba's like, hey, you know what? I'm a proud player, like a lot of guys in the NHL are. And this presents an opportunity for him. He's obviously going to get a lot of ice time. And you're right that maybe at times he won't be sheltered. But I think this could actually end up working out pretty well for him. The Coyotes are at least trying to be more competitive this year. Mm-hmm. And, and even just having that in the room – it, you know, like Clayton Keller's a really good player, right? Um, Barrett Hayton, it's taken him a while, and that's okay. I really liked his game last year. If Nick Schmaltz can stay healthy, pretty good player, right? Zucker comes in. You got Lawson Kraus, Kerfoot. Uh, I really like the rookie, uh, Michelli. Now, it's lots of guys have sophomore slumps, so we'll see. But, uh, and then I mentioned Logan Cooley. Like, at least they've got the opportunity where, you know, if Dumba completes more passes than he misses there's a chance to get some points and you know there's a chance where the coyotes aren't going to be one of the worst offensive teams in the league i i think some of the moves they made were excellent sean dersey trade was unbelievable um i really like the spot that they're in with some of the depth that they added they brought back bugstad on a reasonable deal uh jack mcbain resigns he's going to be pretty good as he continues to grow like the Coyotes are on the upswing, but I was just thinking about this as we were talking about it and looking at the odds. Tell me if I'm crazy. The Central Division is the weakest division in the NHL. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think you've got three good teams at the top in Colorado, Dallas, and Mini. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it's... Like St. Louis and Winnipeg are interesting to me, right? Like they could go either way, be competitive close or Nashville will be competitive. Arizona will be more competitive. So will Chicago. But I mean, it's, I think there's an opportunity for five Pacific teams to 
take oh. playoff spots. Well, it was like last year, Frank. People kept talking about the Pacific. The Pacific was the only team that had four 100 point. The only division that had four 100 point teams the last Pacific year. Pacific is legit. Yeah, the, the Pacific is legit, right? Easily legit. It was, and it was legit last year, despite people saying, "Ah, oh, you know, Vegas and Edmonton are in a weak division." I'm like, "Are you on crack?" I think they've about? got three Cup contenders in the Pacific. L.A., you L.A., Vegas, and Edmonton. Is L.A.'s goaltending? It's going to be, it's like, it's the ultimate referendum on not spending on goaltending. <laughs> yeah, touche. Like, we are we are going to look back on this and say that it was either brilliant or absolutely boneheaded. I think Cam Talbot can play way above a million bucks. Oh, yeah. But he's got to stay healthy. And Phoenix Copley is a, he had a, he was a great story last year, but he's a journeyman who also wasn't the guy that was starting in the playoffs. Yeah. I look at um, the Pacific, Frank, and we didn't talk about it yet, but uh, Troy Terry got his big deal with the Anaheim Ducks, right? Mm -hmm. uh, seven, uh, seven bills per season for him. And, you know, well deserves that, you know, feels like that's a bargoon, by the way, 60 point seasons. I think that's um, going to be an absolute bargain. What do you think Trevor Zegers gets? Is he getting more than Troy Terry? I don't, I don't think so. He shouldn't based on statistics. He shouldn't based on numbers and impact. He Troy Terry is their best player. Yeah, but he's three years older, right? So I wonder if that four, if right? that plays into it. Is Terry, Terry's 25. You're right. I thought yeah. he was 26. He turns 26 in a month. Okay. So four then. Um, I don't, yeah, it's, it's a great question. Cause Zegris is kind of in the same spot as Bouchard. He doesn't have any Arbrights. Nah, but his team has a boatload of cap space where Evan Bouchard, uh, him and his agent pretty much look and we're like, well, probably the best, the best they can get, I think at Edmonton is 3.9 million. And it's likely going to come in maybe a slightly less than that 3.8. Um, you know, maybe they, maybe they try to grind him down to 3.5, but I, I, I don't, I don't think it. Dave Gagne and them are going to agree to that by any stretch. So, and nor should they realistically. So, um, which, Hey, leads me to one off, uh, off the ice. What did you make of the, uh, Jeff Jackson, CEO of Hockey Operations, essentially uh, replacing Bob Nicholson in the uh, orders organization. Jackson, a former NHL player. He's a lawyer. Of course, he was assistant GM of the Maple Leafs before becoming a player agent. Like, he's been on all different sides of, of, of hockey. He's got a pretty unique and diverse resume. Yeah, I love the hiring. I think it's incredibly smart. Um, I think when you look at the impact that Bob Nicholson had coming in right before Connor McDavid did obviously McDavid and dry will help lift your organization up, but look at where the Edmonton Oilers are from a hockey and business perspective eight years ago until now it's a, it's a different ball game. It's a different, it's now one of the premier franchises in the league. And part of that has to do with ownership as well. I think Daryl Cates um, has, has really done a nice job um as as steward and now you bring in jeff jackson who essentially i don't want to say guarantees because i don't think there i also don't think there was ever really any much any big discussion or rumblings or whispers about a percentage chance of Connor mcdavid going somewhere at some point but essentially you've locked up Connor mcdavid for the foreseeable future now that you bring in his guy and I just think Jeff Jackson's a really smart guy that's going to help carry the torch. Well, you know, it's interesting what you mentioned about Nicholson because I really think, um, you know, since Ken Holland's come in, like Ken Holland's now entering the final year of his deal. Um, Ken Holland's the one, if you look at the roster he had when he took over, when they'd missed two years in 18 and 19 in the playoffs and all the changes he's made and a lot of the signings, like you look at the, the Hyman signing, uh, Evander Kane, like Cody Cece had a tough year last year, but the year before he was remarkable for them. Like they, Brett Kulak's been a really solid signing. He's made way more good moves than bad moves. And now the orders are a legit cup contender and they had McDavid and dry saddle before, and they, they were one out of four years, a playoff team. So um, I'm kind of curious to see Jeff Jackson, 
You know, he obviously he's he's above Ken Holland, and and to see, you know, is he able to convince Holland to go on a, another one year contract after? Is he just done? That's kind of fascinating because Holland, if you look at all the moves he's made, he's made made more right moves than wrong moves. Not even close. Agreed. I, I would be surprised if he continues being the head guy, the guy in charge, making all the moves beyond this next season. Cause I think he's sort of told a lot of people that this is the last year and he's riding off into the sunset. Um, you never know. Oh yeah. You never know. Why but not? I think so. the fact that they got out in front of this brought in Jeff Jackson, who not only helps with McDavid, but helps add stability they've basically ironed out the succession plan, not necessarily at the GM position, but they've put the successor in place now at the very top of the organization. And McDavid, but obviously uh, it has to get done before McDavid is Leon Drysaddle. And I think if, yep. if you feel that McDavid's staying, I, I've said this for a year, Leon Drysaddle, you're not going to play the better player. And for Connor McDavid, it's very challenging to say he would find a better player to play with. Like it's, it seems it's unfinished like it, business too. There's gotta be yes. a huge part of that of like anytime anyone's ever even mentioned the idea, I've sort of laughed it off. Like I think there's a 90 some percent chance that both McDavid and dry are Edmonton Oilers for a long, long time. Yeah. I'd, I'd be surprised. They're, they're thick as thieves. They get along great. I think they're highly competitive. They challenge one another. They support one another. And you know what? Where I, I else think there can is, you go to play with that player. Yeah. And, and there's something to be said about, you know, they've erased some records already in Edmonton. Like Leon Drysaddle has, has done some things that heck Wayne Gretzky didn't do in individual seasons in Edmonton, which is mind blowing. And so, you know, Connor McDavid signs a long-term deal. Connor McDavid could end up being the highest scoring Edmonton oiler of all time. And that, uh, you know what? Now, sure, you'd have to get over 1,660 points, but still at the, at the rate he's going, I think there's a very legit chance that happens. I agree. So let's look into our crystal ball. We've checked a lot of pieces off the board on Sunday with this trade. Even just going back to my trade targets board from draft week and free agency, Petrie and Hoffman and all these guys that ended up moving. What's next? What's left to tackle in the NHL? And I wanted to tie in two things both with the Washington Capitals. I, I don't think there's a huge likelihood or probability to it, but I do think the Caps would like to try and find a way to move Evgeny Kuznetsov still. And I thought this Tom Wilson signing was really intriguing. 29 years old. He turns 30 next March. He's entering the final year of a six-year $31 million deal, and he signs a seven-year, $45.5 million extension to stay with the Caps. Mm -hmm. A guy that had a, you know, a real significant knee injury that he worked his way back from last season to be uh, an impactful player. But he's almost 30, and you signed him for seven years. What, what are the Caps up to? Honestly, I don't know. Um I, I think well, I think Washington's in a situation where they kind of like Pittsburgh. They want to stay relevant and they want to stay competitive, you know, until Alex Ovechkin walks away. I think they look and say, hey, this guy's the face of our franchise. He made us millions and millions of dollars for, for many years. So we like, literally hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. And uh, we, we owe it to him to be competitive, even though they weren't that competitive last year. And so that's, you know, that's the challenge in, in Washington is I don't like Pittsburgh's improved. We all think Buffalo and, and Detroit and Ottawa are coming. Like, how does Washington find a way to get back in? It's a damn good question. And more than that, like, again, it's a similar one to what we just asked with Pittsburgh. Even if they get in, are they yeah. a true contender? See, we, I know put, I put, we know they'd like to move Mantha. Yeah. Their D was in flux. They basically re-signed a bunch of them. They added Joel Edmondson via trade. Max Pacioretty, I thought, was a great signing, but he is not back until late November, early December. I mean, that's 
It's a lot of there's a lot of ground to make up for the caps. Yeah, I don't and a new coach, by the way. Yeah, like I see Pittsburgh in a much better situation to be competitive this coming season than the Capitals. Mm. It's a it's a really good I think it's a a really good question. Yeah, see where where they're at. What one final question for you, Frank. So you know, the Carlson trade's been rumored for a while, and uh, it outlined kind of came down to what you'd said a month ago. But you look at, there's some RFAs. We mentioned Trevor Zegris, right? Um, Morgan Frost in Philadelphia had 19 goals, 46 points. He's going to get a decent contract. Alexis Lafreniere in, uh, Lafreniere, excuse me, uh, with the Rangers. Uh, we mentioned Evan Bouchard uh, as an RFA. Uh, Joe Villano in uh, in Detroit, although he didn't have huge numbers. And what, he had nine goals, I think, and, and 20 points. But there are some RFAs. But then there's still the UFA guys. And we know Patrick Kane isn't going to sign until the season uh, begins. Um, I guess I should mention Shane Pinto, of course, in Ottawa. He's a big one uh, as well. But um, you look at guys like Thomas Tatar, um, Phil Kessel, Eric Stahl. Are any of these guys Paul Stashney? Are we going to see them no, sign Paul contracts? Stashny, if I'm not mistaken, I thought I saw Paul Stashney mention somewhere that he was retiring. Okay. I hadn't seen that being on holidays. Okay. Well, that takes one out. So he's out. But do you see any of those other guys you know, latching on, or will they be like an Eric Stahl and wait and just sign late in the year, midway through the season? Yeah, I mean, you didn't mention Jonathan Taves. I, yeah, well, you've said that you don't think he's going to play, so I didn't mention it. Yeah, I'm, I honestly, I'm not sure. Like, there's been rumblings out there that they don't think he's going to play, but you don't know what the itch is like in October or November if he all of a sudden gets that hunger and fire back. Oh, yeah, well. You'd hope so. You never want to see him still out there too. Well, I had, yeah, I I think Kane's Kane's sign in the season. I think he's going to be a really good signing for someone. But the thing with Taves is you don't want to see any player have to go out, you know, like that with an injury. If, and you know what, if a guy skills the road and you just age catches up with you, it does for all players. That's fine. But, you know, seeing a guy whose career just gets stopped short due to, uh, due to health and, you know, where he's kind of, and he actually was playing pretty decent. Um, so, if he gets that fire, I, I I would put him in that same boat. Like he, he's a guy that can win key faceoffs for you, Frank, at a million bucks. I think there'd be a lot of teams interested in him uh, midway through the season or in the, the trade deadline for sure. Like I'm Eric Stahl, look, look at Eric Stahl. I thought he had a pretty good impact in Florida. He did. I'm more interested in some of the RFAs. I'm fascinated to see what that Zegers contract looks like. I guess it's a, my guess is it's a bridge deal. Ooh. It wouldn't it have to be if they're only, if they're not going to offer you, maybe they offer the same as what Troy Terry got. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Lots of teams have done that. Right. And they look, and I say, wouldn't okay, sign that. If you're Zegers. No, no, I get it. I get why you wouldn't. Nope. So then me. if you get, if, if you sign a bridge deal, what are you talking? Like four mil, four and a half. Yeah, some something north. Yeah, something yeah. probably north of that, bro, wouldn't it? Yeah, maybe even five. Yeah, two times five. Yeah, Shane Pinto had twenty goals last year for Ottawa. Yeah, pretty He's a good, good player. player. Very good player. So, and he can't even get an offer sheet. No. So yeah, and that's you know what I and I've said this all along. It's the one time where teams need to just say this isn't personal, and the players can't take it personal. Guess what? In the future, you get all the power. You have all the power. Well, not all, but a significant more uh, piece of the pie in the power pie. And so if this is the one time, you just got to grin and bear it and say, hey, you know what? Ryan McLeod last year had no Arbrights. He signed, what, two days before the season started at, at basically the most he could get, which was 794 grand. Mm-hmm. Now he got 2.1 mil. Kalen like Addison, can, you know, yeah. he needs a new deal. Yeah. Jamie Drysdale, like there's some pretty significant players. What about a guy like Maxime Comtois? Two years ago, the Ducks were loving this guy, right? He'd had the, in the shortened season, he had 16 goals. They're really high on him and, you know, they didn't qualify him because of arbitration. He's still a free agent. Like, I think like there's some value deals, Frank, for young guys who weren't qualified that are going to sign $950 million contracts. I think they're going to be, there's a list of those guys that I think, you know, and Maxime Comtois, if I was a team that was looking for a big forward who can skate, he's got some skill, 
you know, if for a million bucks, 900 grand, I think that could be a very good value contract. How many guys from that Team Canada 2018 team are not signed solely because no one knows where the punishment is going to land? Not saying any of them are guilty or have done anything inappropriate, anything like that, but just the connection to the team certainly hasn't helped. Al Foot, he hasn't signed. There was like four or five guys from that team that were not qualified. Yeah. Well, some of them just didn't play very well. That's part of it, but part of it um, for sure. But and there has been some guys who've had their names drugged through the mud who I know 100% without question have zero involvement in it. And I and you know what? Yeah. I hope those players go after the people that uh, accused them of something that heinous and they never did anything. I really do. Cuz there's also players that said that they had nothing to do with it that did or made public statements or had their agent No, no, that's totally fair. That that did. So Yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. Right. But the ones who, who didn't say anything, um, really, you know, make like a lot. I think the majority of the team, except like two or three players, didn't make a statement at the time. Right. And then you had some like you read online. There's been people throwing out names um, like Brett Howden, for instance. Be very Brett careful. Yeah. Brett Howden's name has been thrown through the mud. It's disgusting. And when it comes out and he's not involved. And if I was Howden, I'd contemplate maybe going after some of those people. Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of fascinating that there hasn't been anything, no report, no punishment yet. And I'll be real curious to see what happens, even if there is punishment. Does the NHL have the grounds to do this? That's it's a, it's a legitimate oh, question. It definitely opens up. Um... It's an investigation that was not done within the court of law. Mm-hmm. At least to what we know. Yeah, so that'll be fascinating to see how it plays out, uh, just like the off season. But you know what, Frank? For a middle of our early August podcast, there was lots to discuss. Uh, big, today. big Sunday, big oh, Sunday, big Sunday. I enjoyed it. So uh, get back to cabin life, and uh, we will chat with you in a few weeks. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.